Welcome to the FPL USA Press Play Podcast. Hope you and your family and loved ones have had a wonderful Christmas holiday to all who celebrate, and hopefully been able to take in a footy-filled Boxing Day. Today, it's Wednesday evening, December 27th. You got Bucks and Black Wolf on the mic. Dan, how was your Christmas holiday? I had an amazing Christmas, thank you. How about you? It was really nice. I was with my in-laws, the two girls. Unfortunately, we should let the listeners behind the scenes right at the top. It was the Podpalooza Derby between Chelsea and they came to your house, to the Wolf Den at Molyneux. Tell the listeners, what do you want? What did you win, Dan? So I had a bet with Brian that Wolves would beat Chelsea and we had a $75 bet so that the other could take their wife out to dinner. And Wolves won. And I was saying to Brian, I don't think I want to do this bet because I think Chelsea are going to win. And he peer pressured me to doing it. And now he's $75 down. So too bad, Brian. To the victor goes the spoils. Dan, I will settle up with you offline. Damn you, you Grinch. I can't believe your Wolves (laughs) pupped us in such a big and clear way in that match. It's been a great Christmas for Wolves in general, because we won 4-1 today as well against Brentford. So I'm very, very happy in terms of football. Yeah, you guys are feasting on the London clubs right now. With that, let's send our love and thoughts to Brian. He's traveling with his better half to India for a buddy's wedding that's going on there. So he's going to be offline and on holiday for the next couple weeks. So we hope he has a great time there. That means it's just... The two good-looking members of the podcast, Dan, me and you, baby. That's right. Let's get into it. Game Week 19 is still ongoing. There are two matches to come tomorrow when this pod comes up on Thursday. Black Wolf, how's it going for you thus far? So far, I'm on 26 points, which isn't great. It's It was let down by the, the Newcastle boys, um, losing 3-1 to Nottingham Forest at home. I don't think any of us saw that. And I had Trippier, Dubravka, and Gordon in that game, combining for four points. Yeah, so they're really stinking up my team. However, I did use a transfer to take out Kabore from Luton and bring in Trent Alexander-Arnold using the Haaland funds. That netted me eight points. So I'm about a great arrow right now. I think I've gone down about 500 places with four players left to play tomorrow. So depending on what Saka does and what Bowen does, is going to determine if I get a green arrow or not, because I have Bowen over Saka. You know I do too. We're uh, we're back in Jarrod tomorrow in a big way. I'm on yeah. 32 points at the moment. Solid captaincy went bunk in a big way, but Trent delivered, and I have Poro, Son, and Bowen tomorrow. So I only have three guys left. I'm expecting to land on a gray dot, maybe a small red arrow, Right now, I have eked out a pretty small green arrow. I'm up to like 4,500 in the world, which I'll take. And any any small gain, any just positive momentum at my rank inside the top 10K, I will be happy with. I just want to keep slowly grinding all my way to the world's number one spot. With that, the average so far with two matches to play is a paltry 21 points. So I think there are more birds in that Christmas carol song than there are points for most FPL managers right now. (laughs) And I do also want to give a shout out to our pod partner, Brian, who actually captained Trent Alexander-Arnold this week for 16 points. So fair play to him for going against the grain to 
make up some rank because it really paid off for him this week. Yeah, well done, Brian. So it's overall been a pretty ugly game week, but we're content creators. We have to show up regardless of the score, good, bad, and ugly. And with that, it's time to go and look ahead to game week 20 because that is the final moment to use your first wildcard chip if you've been disciplined. Dan, we let that go so long ago, right? Oh, yeah, we used that wildcard in, like, game week seven. I think I'm always someone who plays their wildcard early because I get really tired of my team and I want to jump on the the players that are doing well quite early on so I can catch the price rises and make sure I keep up with the pack. But if you've held it to this point with all the injuries that are happening right now, all of the suspensions, you're going to be in a really good place in the next couple of weeks, I feel. Yeah, plus you're going to smash the wild card and make a brand new team right as most managers are dealing with the headache of a lot of their most important premium assets either being injured or going to Asia Cup and AFCON. Just to bring this up, there are a lot of players right now who have Haaland, Salah and Sun all in their team and Haaland is injured, Sun and Salah are going to the Cups. So all of a sudden you have these three premium players with all of these funds to spread around your team. Having a wild card right now would be huge. Agreed. And I think that's a dilemma that those with the wild card have on easy street. And most managers in the community, like me and you, we're going to have to have some tough decisions over the coming game weeks and potentially evaluate taking not just one, but maybe even multiple hits to set our teams up for the break without those premium players, as well as figuring out a plan to bring them all back in because I know we were gloating about how there was no problem with budget. You know, the FPL Towers ownership group, they messed up with the way that they set up FPL pricing this year. Ah, uh, we, we spoke a little too soon. I think come game week 25, everyone's going to be wishing they had an extra 5 to $10 million in the pocket. Yeah, I think so. Especially because you're selling all of these premium assets who have gained a lot of price since you've owned them. When you want to bring them back in, all of a sudden, they're what? a million, half a million more expensive than they were when you sold them. So, yeah, I agree. We're going to have a tough time getting the team we want in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, speaking for my own team, I'm going to be short, I think, 1.6 million in the bank if I sell Sun and Salah and I already sold Holland. So that's disastrous. I mean, that's the difference between having basically Gusto and having Pedro Poro. I mean, that's a big difference in game-in, game-out reliability, and player quality. And we're back, and I think a, a really good place to start here is the, the Newcastle game. Because as I said earlier, I think a lot of us were banking on a home win there. And Chris Wood, I'm sure there's a, a sexual innuendo here, but you know me, Bucks, I'm a... Someone that doesn't like innuendo, someone that always keeps it very PC. So I'm just going to say Chris Wood bangs in the hat trick, three bonus points, 17 points. That goes on top of his 11 points, I think it was, from game week 19, which is 28 points in the space of one calendar week, which is pretty insane. So that was a big upset, and I think it screwed a lot of us over those ones who have triple Newcastle. And I think, are you a triple Newcastle too, like me? I'm on triple Newcastle. I only yeah. started Trippier and Gordon, but the home shine really fell off in a big way at St. James Park and for Newcastle. And I saw some overreactions, or at least I think they're overreactions. Members of the FPL community were calling for Eddie Howe's head. 
for him to get fired. I mean, I think that's a little step too far with the state of the squad right now, but it got ugly really fast at Newcastle. I mean, they went from Champions League. This is the dream season. They're going to go for multiple trophies, compete for the Champions League, compete for the Premier League title. Right now, it looks like they'll be struggling just to stay in European competitions next year. What do you think about that? Yeah, I th- I think the criticisms of Eddie House are very Eddie House, sorry, are very very harsh. They've had so many injuries. When you're having to play someone like Lewis Miley, who's 17 years old, every single game week just to cover your injuries, you really can't blame the manager. I don't feel. Um, and I said it in preseason. I, I felt like they were going to struggle with all of these games, but even I couldn't imagine that they'll get this many injuries. So that they're just getting screwed. And hopefully they get some people back in January. They get to make some signings. And we see them return to, to form and hopefully get like a, a top six at least. But they're struggling right now. They're struggling badly. Trippier, another terrible performance. He ends up with one point. I mean, we're just not getting bang for our buck right now with Kieran Trippier. He's been running to the ground. You could see he's conceding or making mistakes directly leading to goals. It's it's bad news bears right now. I, I think the time to target a triple up on Newcastle has long gone. How about you, Dan? Yeah, and just going back to our wildcard discussion, people like me and you who have triple Newcastle, we're kind of stuck with them for the next few weeks because we're focusing on taking out Salah, we're taking out Sun, we're dealing with Haaland. So even if we don't want them, we're kind of stuck with these Newcastle assets. And they have Liverpool, they have Man City, they have Aston Villa away. I know their fixtures turn after that, but we're probably going to be looking to bench one or two of their assets each game week. So I think that's somewhere that wildcarders have an advantage too. Agreed. Let's keep it moving. Let's talk about some big comebacks in game week 19. Man City go first. They go down 1-0 away at Goodison Park. Everton are not a pushover matchup anymore. And they, without the points deduction, they would be firmly top half of the table. And their play is ambitious. And they're not a typical kind of dice ball team. I really... I think Everton are a fun side as a neutral to watch their games. They they are going for it, and they showed no respect to City to start this match. Boss them 1-0, and then, of course, the quality came in, and City bang back and bang back and bang back to the tune of a 3-1 victory. But I'm just – I think we can spare a moment to talk both on Everton and City here. I'm impressed with both these teams. Yeah, I think – Everton, we've been saying it for a while in this podcast, that they're, they're a really good team now. I don't think we have to worry about them for relegation, even with the, the 10 points loss, especially at home. They're an extremely difficult team to beat. And it was only really the quality of Man City, like you said, that got them the win this week. Um, Bernardo was excellent. Foden was really excellent. Alvarez finally gets some returns for his owners who have suffered over the past few weeks. They, they're just looking really good again. And Haaland... Looks like he hasn't trained with the first team. I don't think he's expected to be back till January now after what we heard Pep Guardiola say today, which was kind of a surprise because I think a lot of us thought he'd be back for 18, possibly 19, and now it's looking like January. Yeah, he's been not training with the first team at all. I think that's the big breaking news here. So Pep said he expects him back in January. I think the big story here is that he's actually injured. And it could not be in January. We really only have two fixtures in the month of January. It's a very choppy and broken up month with international break. And there's FA Cup and League Cup matches that are taking place. So from an FPL perspective, 
those managers that sold Holland are clearly in the catbird seat right now. That was turned out to be a great decision. And the move might be to just skip Holland altogether until the lads go off to the international competitions. So you might squeeze out an additional game week having Salah or Son in your team, which could be a huge advantage and bring big variance to captaincy in game week 20 because Man City were set to host Chef Yu. So now all of a sudden it becomes almost a poo-poo platter. Do you want Bernardo coming off a goal and assist 10 points? Do you want Foden who had eight points? Or do you want Alvarez who we now know is on penalties in Holland's absence who also had eight points? A lot to decide here. Yeah, my, my plan was always to take out Salah for the next game week and bring in Haaland to captivate Sheffield United. But now that we hear that Haaland is most likely not going to play and the way that Liverpool have been performing lately, I definitely don't want to take Salah out of my, of my team before a home game with Newcastle. So all of a sudden I'm thinking maybe Haaland can wait two, three more game weeks and I can really spend this next few weeks dealing with the players that go to the Cups, making sure I have a very good squad as a whole. I think that's probably the new meta. Totally agree. I think Holland is no longer the priority. I'm just going to ask you here. Let's not wait till later in the podcast. Are you going to target a Man City player instead of Holland for game week 20? I don't think so. I I would love to, but I think that wow. I have to okay. be wise. Yeah, I think I have to be wise and I think I have to look going forward and I have to really plan for the next three, four, five game weeks rather than just the next one. So I think I'm probably going to Swerve one of their players. Interesting. All right, let's talk about teams that aren't truly on the FPL menu right now. Luton and Chef Yu, they had a critical get your popcorn ready for this relegation battle at Chef Yu. Luton go down and storm all the way back with the help of some own goals from Chef Yu. I think the biggest thing here from an FPL perspective is Cameron Archer gets, I'll, I'll say it, I benefited from it, but it was a total phantom assist. We've seen a lot of these uh, same kind of touches go uncredited in the FPL game. So I will take those five points all the way to the bank. I was so happy about that. I was over the moon. I was I was yelling at home when <laughs> he got that credited assist. It was very undeserved. Yeah, I actually suffered this week from having a decent squad um, without a lot of injuries because I could afford to keep him on my bench and there he stays with his five points to add to his eight points from last game week. So, you know, whatever. The reason he was on my bench is because I bought in Alexander Arnold who got eight points and I, I would, I wasn't going to bench him for him. So it's no big deal. Yeah. That's a, that's a pragmatic decision there. We can leave that match in the rubble. Let's go yeah. to Villa who went to old Trafford. They storm out of the gates two zero up. The fans are already partying, shit talking the, home fans that are still at Old Trafford. I thought the Villa players were starting to celebrate going into halftime. They were talking about, you know, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on the bus home. And uh, lo and behold, the Reds, they came out, they held them to the sword in that second half. And I think this was the Bruno Fernandez coming out party because he was pulling all the strings and it went from looking like he had tired legs in the first half and they were just getting overrun all of a sudden, he was the boss in the middle, and he had an incredible performance. That pass that he made to Rashford for Rashford's goal was incredible. Insane, insane. And I think he now joins um, Meza Ozil as the only player to make 100-plus dangerous passes in a calendar year, which is an insane stat, because I think after him, out of the current crop of players, 
something like 30, 40 behind, if I'm not mistaken. So he's been an elite asset, an elite player, sorry, for Man United for a couple of years now. Um, a player I do want to call out from this game is Garnacho, who got 14 points after the bonus. And he's what? Is he booked? Is he like four point something million? So I yeah, think a lot of players are going to be... 4.7 million. 4.7 million. And notably, the world number one, who's a member of the FPL USA community, he's not on social media, but he is a member of the community, had him in his team as a big differential. So, you know, when you're yeah. when you're doing this well, uh, these are the kind of decisions that tend to break your way. Exactly. And he, he's a player that people are going to look at when they're looking to bring Haaland back in, especially, especially if you're going to take out someone like Cameron Archer to bring in Haaland, if you want to go for three up top with the likes of Harlan Watkins and Solanke, for example, or Nkunku. Having someone cheap like Garnacho on form will be a good um, budget enabler for you. I'm, I'm not a big fan myself, though, to be honest. Yes, I think there are better cheap options. Uh, yeah. Just one million more if you can jump up to Cole Palmer or someone of that ilk. You mentioned Solanke. Let's just talk about the Dom himself. Bournemouth, 3-0. They are the hottest team in the Premier League right now, and he stays scoring. He's like scoring every week now. He got his penalty. Unfortunately, he doesn't get the, the three bonus points because he was on for nine bonus points until the last five minutes, I think it was. But yeah, he's returning every week. Bournemouth are looking really dangerous. Their attack is looking fantastic. Their defense is looking strong. You know that if they continue like this, they're going to be comfortably mid-table, which I don't think a lot of us would have foreseen at the start of the season. They were both of our picks for the disappointing team of the season, I believe. Mine was Newcastle. Ah, right. was I, was, his... I was Bournemouth. I was Bournemouth. Yeah. I, I got that one very wrong. <laughs> All right. Let's give you the glow up you deserve. It's Wolves Corner time, and they are on a massive heater. So try and hide those pearly whites if you can and <laughs> just talk into the mic rather than, uh, you know, blinding me on Zoom. My bad. Yeah, I'm just really happy as a Wolves fan right now because we've been terrible for a couple of years in terms of our attack. And I've just been hearing from everyone nonstop, Wolves can't score, Wolves are so boring. And now we're finally actually an exciting team to watch. I was watching the game today and I was just having a, a great time watching our, our attacks, our end-to-end football. And we're looking really good. We're also comfortably in mid-table like Bournemouth. We're ahead of them by one goal on goal difference, I believe. We also have Pedro Neto back in the squad now. So I'm I'm very happy. Tell the listeners about He Chang Wang, because I know he had the first half brace. Yeah. So he's on eleven points for those FPL managers who are getting ready to sell him out anyway for the Asia Cup. But you have any insight on the injury and what happened there? Yeah, so I think I think he got 14 points after the bonus. I think he claimed all three bonus, which is great. And also, I was watching the game, and he kind of fell on his on his back. Looks like he twisted his back a little bit, but then he walked off quite fine, clearly in discomfort. But I don't think it's a muscle injury for sure. I think we took him off as a precaution. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him play the next game, or just rest him for the Asian Cup. But I, I really don't think it's a serious injury whatsoever. It just looked like he tweaked his back. And you think that it's not serious enough that he'll still be allowed to go to the international competition, correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm confident he'll still go. I'm confident he'll be fine. Okay, all good news for Wolves fans uh, across the world, brought to you by one of the biggest in the mix, Black Wolf himself. Let me just talk on Chelsea for one sec. Great to see Nkunku get his first Premier League start. I thought he was very quality. He would have gotten a goal or an assist or maybe both on a different day. 
Uh, right now, Jackson is just an absolute butcher in front of net. The guy can't hit in, uh, you know, a soft roller uh, with the goalie, you know, miles off his line. He's he's still going to manage to fluff it. That's really disappointing. The good news was I thought Mudrick was incredible in this match. And I think you saw why he was bought by Chelsea for such a high fee. The speed is infectious and can be a true game changer. So he gets the goal. He did come off with a knock, I've been told, and I see that it's not serious. So he gets eight points. But notably, he has as many open play goals right now as Bakayo Saka without penalties, which is a stunning figure when you think about their perception in the realm of Premier League fans. So I just wanted to call that out for Mudrick. I thought he was excellent tonight. Eight points for the FPL asset. And then Gusto, 4.1 million. He was the best player on the pitch. I think bar none. He was incredible. And at 4.1 million, he gets an assist. Doesn't get the clean sheet, but still gets bonus points. So he matched Trent Alexander-Arnold for FPL points. And he's more than, he's less than half as much as Trent. So Gusto, 4.1. Trent, 8.4. I think Gusto is going to become a very serious bandwagon pick in the weeks to come. So I just want to shout him out here. I agree with the Gusto pick, especially with his price um, and Chelsea's fixtures. A lot of people are going to be bringing him into their team. I would love to do it, but again, we're focusing on the cut players. So for wildcarders, I think he has to be a lock in your wildcard team. Totally agree. I think he is so much better than the other cheapy options, whether it's Taylor or even Branthwaite. I mean, Everton are a good team, but I don't think Branthwaite offers half as much from an upside perspective that Gusto does. So I think Gusto has to be your fifth defender if you still have your wild card. All right, let's switch gears. Let's look ahead to game week 20, and then we'll actually get our hands dirty and craft a imaginary wild card draft for our listeners. So the game week 20 matches to target for FPL halls. Dan, you want to shout out the first couple? Sure. So I think the obvious one is Chelsea at Luton. Um, you're going to want three Luton assets in your team because they're going to comfortably beat Chelsea on this one. Oh, uh, you <laughs> fucking dick. Oh, my God. I hate you so much. No, actually, yeah. I think Nkunku is going to be a very nice differential pick in this game. I've got a feeling he's going to start and get a couple of goals in this one. I just, It's my gut telling me this. My Christmas gut. Yeah, I have Sterling right now. I wish I had Palmer. I think Palmer gets at least one penalty kick in this game. And I actually think that this is not such a cupcake match as we might have thought six or seven game weeks ago. But I still think Chelsea should have enough to get the win at Luton. But, you know, you could have said that about Liverpool against at you could have said that against when City went there and they all had tough times. So there's nothing to sneeze at when you travel to Kenilworth Lane. And let's see if Chelsea are up for the task. Yeah, and the next game is Burnley at Aston Villa. So I think. Aston Villa being at home against Burnley, I think that's definitely a fixture you want to target. If you have Watkins, absolutely start him. He's even an outside differential captain shot. So if you have your Villa players, you definitely start them in this game. It's unfortunate for Burnley because Villa are going to come into this match angry. And they were already so lethal playing at their home grounds. And now they're playing against the worst team in the Premier League. After a crushing loss where they were firmly in control, RIP for Vincent Company's men on this Villa Park ground. That's going to be ugly. I think it could be 4 or 5 0. It could get out of hand. Alex Moreno is going to get double digit haul in this game. You heard it here first. 
Oh, wow. Interesting. All right. Next up, Chef Yu go to the former champs, Manchester City. They're not looking like world beaters right now, but I think we both are in agreement. They probably have just enough to beat the chefs, right? Yeah, just enough. I think they <laughs> they might sneak this one. I have a little feeling, Bucks. Question. Do you think Alvarez is a worthwhile differential captaincy option in this match? 100%. I think captaincy is wide open this week. I think there's lots of people you could pick from. Alvarez is definitely one of those. Okay, I like that. Lastly, Arsenal go to Fulham for a pseudo-London derby. I think uh, we're we're all back in the Gunners, right? Yeah, I think so. Fulham had that little period where they were looking amazing, scoring all those goals and not conceding, but I don't think they're going to keep that up, and I think this is the game that Arsenal really turn it on and get a comfortable win. Yeah, I'm nervous going into this one with zero Arsenal assets still. I think I might have to rectify that going into that match. <laughs> Let's look at the best matches in real life for Game Week 20. These are kind of the dead rubber fixtures or the pure watches if you're just a footy or Premier League fan. And I didn't think I would say this, but Bournemouth at Tottenham is going to be almost like watching an F1 race. It's going to be end-to-end and... I will definitely be watching this one. I don't know about the general public, but I think this is going to be potentially the most exciting match we've seen in a couple of game weeks. I agree. I'm gonna. I'm really excited to watch this one. Neither of these teams are, are going to sit back, I feel. I think they're going to go attack, 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 especially Tottenham. So I think both teams are going to score. It's going to be a high-scoring game. And for people like me and you that own Pedro Porro, I think we're hoping for finally he's going to get his goal. It's coming. It's it's he deserves it more than most. He does. He does. Lastly, Newcastle traveled to Anfield to play against Liverpool. Again, I think this is a better match a couple of game weeks ago because Newcastle are just dead men walking at the moment. And I actually think that Salah, you know, it was obvious we'd all move Salah to Holland and we'd captain Holland against Chef Yu. But I actually think that Salah right now against Dan Byrne. On that side, who has, is slow, he's not the quickest giant in the world. Uh, I think he's an excellent captaincy option in this game week. And I think Liverpool are going to comfortably dispatch of Newcastle, despite what the FDR might tell you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not totally sure on this one. Like On paper, the way they, these teams have been playing, I think a Liverpool comfortable win. But I don't know, Newcastle just have this knack of just turning it on when people don't expect them to. So... You know, it might be a tight game, and I'm looking at benching my Newcastle players, but I'm kind of nervous about it, because I just feel like this will be the game week that they just turn up and do one of their amazing performances like they did in some of those away games in the Champions League. And I see you scrunching your nose up, so you don't agree, but we'll see. I don't see it. I actually think that they are, they've played too much football. There hasn't been enough rotation in this team, and injuries are obviously a factor, but... I think falling out of the UCL the way they did, losing to Chelsea on penalty kicks in the League Cup, there's just a lot of heads hanging low in that team. And so the second one thing goes wrong, I think it has the potential to snowball. All right, I think it's high time, Dan. Let's discuss a potential Game Week 20 wildcard draft. And we didn't chat on this beforehand. This is kind of my uh, dirty work here. So I'm going to give it to you first. Who are locks in a wildcard draft? Who who are undroppable to you if you were still in the position of having this chip to smash? 
if I still had a wild card, I think for me, I would actually have, you don't have it on your list here, but I would have David Raya in goal um, from Arsenal. I think in defence, I agree with you here, Trent, Porro and Gusto would be locks for me. I see you've put Purvis Estupinian and I like that shout. Um, I think I need to see a little bit more from him before I'd put him in a wild card, but I do really like that shout. And then you've got Zinchenko in your team, and I agree that an Arsenal defender to go with Raya would make sense. I'm not sure I would pick Zinni. I know you like Zinni because he has the upside and he, he gets all the bonus points when he plays, but I think I would prefer the security of one of the of the centre-backs there. But that's just personal preference. Yeah, I went cheapest chips in goalie. That's kind of my mentality, and that's how I've been trained and learned to play the game. So I have Dubrovka and Turner or Ariola. I also think maybe jumping up to Pickford makes sense. But I think for me, I would aim to keep the goalie spot under 8.5 million. So if you want Raya, I think he's 4.8 million now. Kind of have to go with Turner, keep it cheap. And then I think Trent is your premium in defense and he's your route back into getting a guy like Salah or getting a guy like Holland at the eventual time. He'll become the cash cow. And I think Poro and Zinchenko offer the upside. I like Zinchenko at the price more than I do as the player. He's 5.2 million. When they keep a clean sheet, when he is on the pitch, I find that he tends to get great bonus accumulation. So he's off and on for eight or nine points versus Gabriel or Saliba, who are on for six or seven points. So I think that delta is worthwhile. And it's the risk that you're willing to take with Tomiyasu out injured. And then I also have Purvis. Again, the price and the upside are just so obvious. The Brighton run coming up after game week 20 is the best in the league. And they haven't been playing like a top team, but they have that potential. And at $4.9 million, you're basically banking on him to get attacking returns. That's why you're picking him, not for clean sheets. We know Brighton are allergic to clean sheets at this point this season. I agree. And I, I think... Possibly also, I would look to get a Man City defender in. The problem is, who would you pick? There's no one I really like there, but having a Man City defender in that team would make sense with the fixes they have coming up and a possible double game week. You have to consider the double game weeks as well. Yeah, exactly. Like Walker hasn't missed a game yet. I think he's 5.4 million, 5.3 million, something yeah, like so that. Yeah, so I think Walker might be an option in your team. Um, anyway, going to, to midfield, I think midfield kind of picks itself. I would have Saka, I would have Bowen, I would have Palmer. I would have Richarlison. And then I think the fifth spot is kind of up to you, whoever you want. There's people like Douglas Louise who you could have for Aston Villa. You could have Garnacho. You could have Pedro Neto because he's coming back fit if he starts to playing, come back to form. Um, and then up front, I, I think... Hold Harland. on. I, I also so, think Michael Olise should be in that mix. He's, oh, yeah, sure. He looked incredible today. He, looked, he took a penalty with Eze off the pitch. And I just think... Eze is still looking like he's a bit away from being fully fit and fully up for it. And he's their talisman right now, OSCA is. So uh, he's only 5.6 million, same price as Palmer. Yep. And I think our forward lines are the same for me and you. I would have Haaland, I would have Watkins, and I would actually take a punt on Nkunku. I think he's going to be an amazing differential the next six, seven game weeks with the fixtures Chelsea have. And he just looks so good, doesn't he? He looks incredible. He's he's a level above the rest of the Chelsea team, and that's why he's on the back of my jersey that I'm wearing right now. He's nice. He's the talisman, and he's he's the one who has the true potential to score 30 goals and assists in a season. We've seen him do it. Sterling used to be able to do that. He's not that player anymore. But I think Nkunku 
has the chops and he has the talent. He just needs to be healthy. So it's, it's all to play for there. Quick question, Dan. So right now the wildcard draft I have has eight attackers with Watkins and Nkunku. It often means that you need to have a bunch of team value. Would you sacrifice Watkins to go for a guy like Solanke? And do you think that's cover enough over Ollie with the season he's having? Talk us through your picks there. No, I I would prioritize having seven to eight really good attackers and then saving money in the defensive spots. I I I would not want to go without Watkins. I think Nkunku could possibly be Solanke if you want to play a little bit more safe and not be differential, but. Yeah, I, I wouldn't sacrifice the forward spots with the amount of goals we're seeing and the amount of top performers we're seeing in these two areas. And I yeah, so- we should we should double click on that, Dan. Most goals we're ever seeing to this point in the season. Yeah, I mean we're seeing so many goals. I think the fact that games are like what 10, 15 minutes longer than usual and players are playing so many more games and getting more tired, I think these play into the fact that we're seeing more goals. And one other oh. thing about this wildcard draft, by the way, I want to point out that neither me nor you have any Newcastle players. So that's where, like we said earlier, wildcarders really have the advantage. Unless, of course, Newcastle suddenly turn it around and then you're kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking for ways to move off the Newcastle lads. With that, that's a perfect transition. Let's get to our transfer plans and captaincy shouts. This is where we close the podcast every game week. We will talk about our plans for the upcoming fixtures to come. It's a little tougher on this episode because we still have two matches to go. I have three players remaining. Dan, I believe you have five. Four or five? Four. 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 Excuse me. And Brian has six. So we're going to include Brian's thoughts in next episode, but let's talk through your moves. You have one free transfer, $2.9 million in the bank. Dan, you got to get a mortgage or something. You got so much money. (laughs) Right. So I think I have three options here. I'm either going to roll, so I have two free transfers next week, and then I can deal with the the cut players with more information of who to replace them with. I think that's my number one option. But I am very, very tempted to actually take out Anthony Gordon and upgrade him to Richarlison or Saka. So it's going to be one of those three. Be? Who would your captain be? I'm Right now it's on Sun, but you know it, it could be four or five different players. I think I might... You know, be a baby and go the EO routes, depending what I see other people doing, just to keep rank. Wah, wah, wah. I know, That's I know. All right, I'm a little more exciting. I have two free transfers and 1.9 million in the bank. I am definitely moving off one Newcastle lad. I think right now, if I had to make the decision before I went to bed tonight, I would go Trippier to Gusto, freeze up tons of funds, Issue is it leaves me with Livermento and Gordon, and I don't think Livermento is getting any more starts. So the kind of pragmatic move is to just go Livermento to Gusto, gets me an additional real player, real starter, and it doesn't free up any more funds, but it also kind of gets me a player that I'd be happy to have first bench or as kind of the last playing 11. The issue is... It's a defender transfer, and that's so boring at this point in the season. And I have $1.9 million in the bank to get frisky. So the other move I'm considering is going Watkins to Julian Alvarez as a one-week punt. And then I would just sell Alvarez 
and keep Archer as kind of my eighth attacker when I bring Holland back in. So uh, those are the two moves, both in play. Sun is my captain. I was hoping you weren't going to say that. I was uh, hoping I would be different from you. <laughs> and uh, right now, Sterling is my vice captain. So uh, it's all to play for going I'm, into game I'm, week 20. I'm not sure I like your taking out Watkins when they're at home to Burnley move, but knowing you, 5K in the world, it's going to work out well for you. But I, I definitely prefer the Livramento to Gusto move just to remove a player who you know is an issue in your team and bringing in someone who is not going to be an issue. I think that makes the most sense, but you do you, man. I have been all season. It's been exactly. working out for me, but uh, Watkins on the back of a couple blanks. He, he was an uh, invisible man in this Man United match. Uh, I don't think the they past. called his name out once. Past is the past, books. Yeah. You got to be goldfish. Ain't that the truth? That's right. All right. We are wishing you all a most enjoyable New Year's Eve holiday. That is a wrap on this podcast. You can find me at FPL USA Bucks on social media. Dan, where can the listeners find your beautiful mug? <laughs> you can find me at FPL underscore Blackwolf on X. And we appreciate any reviews or subscribing, following the podcast on your preferred provider, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are there. We are the FPL USA Press Play Podcast. We love you. Wishing you a big green arrow in game week 20. 